forget self-improvement. The whole idea to me is that we get to have the fullest, most alive lives that we can have. There's no perfect, there's no arriving, there's no done. That is such a deadness to it, right? So what what do you know returns you more to a sense of self? I also love to use the phrase staying on our own side because we're so often at war with ourselves. We're so often judging ourselves. You lovely people listening would never speak to me the way that you speak to yourself. So that's a really wonderful place to start. If you need an outside idea, I know you all have lots of wisdom inside is, what would it be like to speak to yourself as kindly as you do your dog? Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Jennifer Loudon. Jennifer is a personal growth pioneer who has helped launch the concept of self-care with her 1992 best-selling debut book, The Woman's Comfort Book. She's the author of six additional books, including The Woman's Retreat Book, The Life Organizer, and her newest release, Why Bother? She's appeared on a number of television, radio, and podcasts, including The Oprah Winfrey Show. As an entrepreneur and educator, Jennifer has offered women's retreats for over 25 years and is on a mission to help women create the life and work they love. There are some awesome takeaways from our conversation, so be sure to listen in. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the distinct pleasure of being with Jennifer Loudon, a personal, or she is the personal growth pioneer. And welcome to join us, uh, Jennifer. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate that. Me, I want to be the something. (laughs) You have to. Listen, if you're going to be a pioneer, you might as well be the pioneer, right? (laughs) Right on. (laughs) There you go. So I want to start off by learning a little bit about your journey to becoming a personal growth pioneer, because I think the listeners are going to be interested. I know I surely am. How did you end up to where you are today? Well, I think the way that many of us do, we get these nudges, we get these ideas, we get these inspirations, and sometimes we listen to them and sometimes they work out. (laughs) And so I started off in film school. I wanted to be a filmmaker. I went to USC and I really had a hard time with the politics of the business. I was very young. I was very naive. I had no idea like my daughter does now or our son to get mentoring, to get help. And so I really went through what I guess we would now call that quarter life crisis where I just found myself so depressed and so trying to write screenplays and not having a lot of success, a little success, but not a lot of it. And out of that moment of that crisis, I really had a moment when a book title came to me. It was called The Woman's Comfort Book. And this was the late 80s, early 90s. And um, that book eventually became a bestseller. And that started that path of being a personal growth pioneer because this was in the early 90s. So I was talking about stuff that nobody else was talking about yet. Yeah, I don't remember it being spoken about in 1992, anything about personal growth. And I think you bring up a good point about mentors. I don't think back in that time, there was really a lot of emphasis on that. But it seems like mentors have been somewhat important and key in in your life. I feel like I could do a better job. I'm really good at being a mentor. (laughs) 
but I'm not so great at asking for it still. When, when did you have things that you come up with every year? Are you sort of like this year, this is the year I'm going to work on this. And so every year I was like, this is the year I'm going to work on asking for help on having a better network. And I still don't do a great job at it. So I just want to be really honest about that. I mean, I have been really lucky to, to work with, or even just have a conversation. You know, how you can have just a conversation with someone at just the right time who is ahead of you on the path that have been super important to me in my life, but I could do better at. Listen, I mean, mentors, I think it's somewhat of this coined phrase that in some instances means more or people think it's more than it has to be. In a lot of cases, it could be just somebody that helps you, somebody that guides you, somebody that you look up to. Maybe you you never even met them, but you see what they're doing and you look up to what they're doing. So I think mentors can come in various shapes and sizes. And I've been a mentor and a mentee, and I've gotten value from both sides of it. So I love love thinking about it that way someone who you can learn from and look up to even if you don't know them. I love that. I'm going to take that away. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of our youngsters look up to a lot of folks that they probably shouldn't look up to. That's a whole different story. What are you looking to do? How are you looking to help people? What is your, I hate to say it, job, J-O-B, but you know, your life, what are you looking to do? idea in mind that we all have signature themes. And I, again, I went to film school. So you study film criticism and directors had signature themes. And then, you know, you might find that in literature and poetry, but I think we all have it in life. And one of mine is helping people get out of their own way so they can make more of what they want. I mean, that's the kind of thing I'll do it at a cocktail party. (laughs) I'll do it on a plane, right? If we ever get on a plane again. I love to do that. You can just hear it in my voice. It just excites me. So I do have training as a coach, but I would say most of my inspiration for helping people get out of their own way is getting out of my own way. I've written eight books and writing is hard for me. I've created multiple courses. I've been leading retreats for 25 years. All of that has been so hard for me to do. I'm not one of those people. I'm coaching someone right now who's brilliant at everything, like world-class brilliant at a couple of things. And I just like, what's that like? What's that like to be just so brilliant that, yeah, I can be one of the best athletes in the world and I can be one of the best at Rubik cubes and you know, you name it. So I think my own struggles and my own inability, you know, how hard it is for me to do things really motivates me to help others. Well, I would argue as brilliant as that person is, or they are, They have struggles in other areas that you just may not be privy to. That's true. She has told me that being an adult is hard. Adulting is hard for her. (laughs) I'm pretty good at adulting. (laughs) I mean, is there a specific target market that fits your criteria that you're really looking to work with that, you know, you say you can meet and if you have these things, you're really an ideal fit for me and my abilities to help? Yeah, I find the people that I work best with mostly are women. I do have a few men that come through. And I find mostly it's women in their 40s and 50s. They're usually super smart. They're often professionals, but they're wanting to do something else or in addition or when they leave their J-O-B. And that, that seems to be the best fit for me. And then there'll be the outliers. You know, someone's a bit younger. Right. Listen, coaches are very important. I think a lot of people could benefit from them. Unfortunately, there's this, oh, do I need somebody to help me? Do I not? But you know what? You look at all the athletes, you look at musicians, you look at some of the folks in the film and theater space. A lot of them have coaches. 
We just interviewed a doctor who made his break on television and he was a doctor. He wasn't made for TV. He went and out and hired a coach and learned what he didn't know and fixed it. And he's been a smashing success. So coaches are very vital and very key. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people who need them don't get them, unfortunately, and because they can't kind of get in that mindset of how that can uh, help them. So as a personal growth expert, how are you looking to help people and what are the main areas of focus that you're trying to help these folks in? One of the things that comes up over and over again is that we have this idealized idea of how our day is going to go or our week is going to go or our life is going to go or our plan is going to go. And does it ever happen? No. <laughs> right? I had an ideal, you know, we're recording this on a Friday. I had an ideal vision of what today was going to be. And it's been like, basically take your ideal day and flip it on side its head. And that's kind of the day that I've had thus far. Right. But in a blender. So one of my big specialties is helping people cope with that <laughs> and realize that stop thinking it's going to be that perfect day or that perfect week and start learning how to develop the tools that you can begin again in the middle of the day at nine o'clock in the morning when it's already, you know, been three hours of the craziness. So that's one thing. And we could say that has a mindfulness component to it and a presence component to it. And it does, but it's also to me that we really embrace living this life, showing up for it all and the humanity of it. I think there's something about our current cultural conversation and the internet that makes people feel ashamed to be human and ashamed to need rest and to need self-care and to need downtime and think that there's something wrong when you have the kind of morning you had. And I had the kind of morning that I have. We have a brand new puppy. So there's lots of chaos right now. <laughs> We've been like foster puppy parents for the Guide Dog Foundation. So I know how that goes. You know, not a lot of sleeping through the night right now. And the old dog hating the new dog. So that's one thing I really specialize in. I also work a lot with writers because I've done so much writing. So I've sort of fallen into that and then gotten some training to really help people develop their ideas. There's a lot in the popular culture about just keep your hand moving and write what you love. And that's great. But then people get to a certain point when they really want to start writing for an audience and connecting with the audience. So I'm good at helping people do that. And then business. I've been doing this. So I've been self-employed for 30 years. Wow. Because I'm unemployable. <laughs> this is really straight. I swear to God. <laughs> it's all good. Do you work with a specific genre that mm -hmm. is in the author uh, field? Yes. I used to try to work with everybody, but now I work specifically with people who are writing nonfiction. So it could be personal growth. It could be some, you know, I'm thinking of a couple projects right now. It's personal growth plus recipes. She's a chef, mm -hmm. somebody who's doing memoir, but there's a real strong nonfiction side that is making a case for how a particular industry needs to change with a lot of research behind it. So that's awesome. Yeah. We work with a number of authors in the romance community. So uh, totally different genre, but I'm sure have similar struggles as far as hitting those writer blocks and being able to get their thoughts out on paper from time to time and have to get mindful and get back to basics in order to put them back in that position to start writing again. Yeah. Years ago, I spoke at the Romance Writers Conference. It's such a fascinating world. They're so good at marketing romance writers. There's lots that we can learn from how they show up in that genre. Yeah. Yeah. E.L. James kind of busted that that whole genre right you know, wide open mm -hmm. with Fifty Shades of Grey. That was really the thing that shined the light on that whole genre for them. So it's been very good. 
What do you see are typically things that hinder people from experiencing personal growth? Hmm. Is it simply just mindset or is it physical or are there other things? Yeah, in my last book that was published this, well, actually last year now, because we're in 2021, I keep forgetting because what time anymore? (laughs) It's called Why Bother Discover the Desire for What's Next. I write about this concept, which I did not create, called the emotional immune system. And the idea is that we're wired the way that our brains and nervous systems work to really say, okay, these things, whatever they are, depend on the person I'm comfortable doing, but these things are outside of my emotional immune system. And I basically believe that if I do them in some form, I'm going to die. Now, I don't mean physically, but like humiliation or, and we shut down in very sophisticated ways. We often do the exact opposite of what we say we're going to do. So let's say someone wants to write and they keep not showing up or they show up for a week or two. And then suddenly they put their hat in for a promotion at work. That's going to be crazy busy and create all eat up all that extra time and energy. And then they do it. They get the promotion. They go, what was I thinking? I said, I wanted to write. So that's the emotional immune system in action. When I frame it that way, Larry, I feel so much better about how I get in my own way. I think when we pathologize it, when we take it personally, when we think, oh, I'm the only one who's doing this, that adds so much shame and blame to the cycle that's unnecessary. So, I mean, are there any others or you think that that's really the predominant driver for? I mean, it's just what, you know, what we have to do is we just have to look at the fact that being human, we are going to continually get in our own way. So what are the tools? What are the ways of framing that that help you and you personally, everybody listening? And if the emotional immune system works, it works for me, great. If it doesn't, then you have to find other frames because I think the most important thing that I can tell people is not to take it personally. But life is not a problem to be fixed. You are not a problem to be fixed. You're built as this human. We're mysteries to ourselves. Most of the time we do things and then we make up a story after the fact why we did it, because that's how our brains work. Right, right. You know, it's funny, as you were talking about these issues that typically hinder people, I started thinking about the work that we do at our firm, working and helping people work towards retirement. Mm -hmm. And I hear quite often, and you probably hear it too in the media, whether it be, you know, TV, radio, it doesn't really matter. You hear all this about people working longer. And the assumption or the implication is that people are working longer because they have to from a financial standpoint. And I argue, and I've had a number of conversations like this, that it's not just the financial thing. I think people are working longer because after working in a specific career for 20, 30, 40 years, that career becomes their identity. Mm -hmm. They're spending so much time, effort, and energy at that job, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, whatever it may be, that it's almost difficult for them to turn off that spigot and go from 40, 50, 60 hours a week to zero. Yeah. Because in many cases, we haven't had the time, the mindfulness, as you say, to build up the infrastructure or what we need in order to take up our time when we gain those 40, 50 hours. So you see somebody who actually retires, they retire, they stop working. And then three months later, they're working again. Why? Not because they financially have to, but because they were bored. They didn't know what to do with the 40 hours. So I think with folks like you helping guide people and help them prepare for those events, I think that could be tremendous. And maybe there is no real retirement where somebody stops working. You know, as long as you're doing meaningful work that is 
engaging to you and you're using your brain, your mind, your tools and your resources and you feel good about it, I don't see why you ever have to fully retire unless you really want to and are in a position to. But I mean, do you see that with the folks that are coming to you having big problems? You know, they're nearing that retirement age that we've kind of arbitrarily decided that you should be retiring. And then they're like, I know I should be retiring, but what am I going to do with all this time? Do you see that? Absolutely. 100,000%. Because it's. And how do you prepare somebody for that? Well, I think it's a deep question of what do you bother about? What do you care about? And giving yourself the time and the space, and this is so hard for people, giving yourself the time and the space to discover it. And what we want to do in that case is go from, okay, so I'm doing this job and I'm, you're right. I would like to stop working at this job. This is enough. I've done this long enough. I'm becoming crabby at it. (laughs) No, I'm just going through the motions. I'm not inspired anymore. I'm just, I'm not really showing up. So then they, you know, as you say, they transition to retirement, but then they can't be in that unknown, messy space long enough to discover the different things that might really be calling to them, the different things they might really desire to do. And so then they jump back into the job or, or get really busy volunteering or, and I'm not, you know, again, it's not that that's wrong, but what I try to do is help people in that messy in between, because I think that's what we don't talk enough about in transitions is the messy in between that you're going to feel uncomfortable and you're going to feel lost because if your life has been scripted and managed and you're looking at your to-do list and you're running all the time, your nervous system has no idea. Right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And you've probably really forgotten how to follow those inklings of things that might interest you and let them develop. Like, Mm-hmm. Maybe you're like, well, it's going to be gardening. It's like, but you don't have to just jump right into gardening right away. Like, just try a few pots, see if you're interested in it. It's going to be writing. I'm going to write the great American <laughs> novel. Well, let's try a short story first. <laughs> right. If let's say I'm looking to retire, thinking about retiring 10 years out, whatever the time frame would be, how much earlier before I actually want to engage in that retirement? How long before that should I start thinking about that or seeking out somebody like you to help me work through that? Is it five years, one year, 10 years? What is it? I think it really depends on your personality and also how scheduled, how, I'm going to use the word jacked up are you? So if you're that high pressure real estate agent who's just going, 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 we might want to start talking a few years Mm -hmm. and really designing an offering. It's just like when you go on vacation. You know, in the first three days of the week's vacation, you're like, I got to, I got to keep checking my phone. You know, you're, and then you sort of, oh, right. And then by the end, you're like, oh, I remember the vacation is a cool thing. But then you just have to think how much bigger that is when it's your whole life. Yeah. You just have to go on a cruise and not buy the data plan and you'll be fine. (laughs) My wife and I learned that several years ago, we started going on cruises We didn't get the data plan and we were kind of disconnected, which is a good thing. We're big outdoors people and we love to go into the outdoors where we're too far away from anything. But nowadays, you'll, we'll like, we'll climb to a 13,000 foot peak and then our phones start going off because we're catching the satellites again. Damn cell tower. (laughs) So, what signs should people be on the lookout for? If I'm a person, I'm going through my life, things are going well, are there specific triggers that would say to me, hey, you know what? I need to start working on personal growth or I should really be seeking out self care and start focusing on my well being? Are there triggers that could say, hey, listen, you got to wake up, you got to do something here? Oh, gosh, I think so. I think when we're excessively numbing out, 
I think there's something called mindful numbing out, right? You're like, okay, I, especially during this pandemic, right? I can't take it anymore. Last weekend, I think it was, I sat down and started watching TV at like 4.30 in the afternoon, Gilmore Girls, which is this sweet show that I used to watch with my daughter who's now 26. And my husband was like, what are you doing? So that's so enlightening. I'm like, I just need to not be thinking about anything anymore. And so I really chose it and it was wonderful. It made me feel better. If you're not choosing it and you're watching hours of TV or drinking too much and too much for somebody might be just a drink every night, right? It doesn't have to look like alcoholism. If you're just numbing out in a way that makes every day feel so blah. That's a sign. If you're, you know, really struggling with depression or anxiety, I think also a good sign to think about getting help, getting recharged in different ways. If you keep saying, I want to do blank and you're not doing it, you're really not keep making and keeping the promises to yourself in ways that build your sense of self-trust and self-pride. I think that's another sign. And if your friends are saying to you or your family, you know, wow, you just don't seem to be moving on with this or getting to this. I hear you complaining about the same things. Complaints are amazingly powerful indicators of what we want to change. And then I think the last thing is if you're using the words, why bother? Maybe you don't say why bother, but you say something like, it's too late. I'm too old. There's no point. It's all been done before. Mm, that's a sign to me. <laughs> was that the impetus of the book? Why bother? It was. It was. very much so. Yeah, I feel like why bother in its form, whatever it takes. It comes to all of us. It comes to us because sometimes something is taken from us, a job, a business during the pandemic, someone dies, mm-hmm. or because we get tired of things. Like we were just talking about retirement. We are living longer and longer. Why wouldn't we get tired of doing the same thing we've been doing? Why wouldn't we come to a point where we're like, this isn't doing it for me anymore? But like you said, it's our identity. Right. Yeah, I mean, also our financial well being as well. Yeah. I mean, listen, a couple of generations, maybe two or three generations ago, people were only working for 20 or 30 years because that's really all they were living. You know, they were more or less passing away before they even had an opportunity to retire. So we're in a much different and better spot because of modern medicine and a lot of other things. So what are some simple things that people listening, you know, this is the Midland Money Mindset. What are simple things that people can do to take action today that would help improve themselves, that would kind of be mindfulness and get them on that track without necessarily making that jump to contacting somebody like you? Are there things that they could be doing on their own? Gosh, there's a million things. And in fact, what I would do is I put that question back right now to you, lovely listeners, because you know what to do. What have you learned? What have you tried? What have you done in the past that helped you to think about it not as self-improvement? Because I think self-improvement is a trap because it's based on the idea, subtly or not subtly, that there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with us we have to fix. Great point. It's the negative. Yes. We should be talking in the positive. Well, it also sets us up for that feeling that if there's something really wrong with me. It's like practice makes perfect. Nobody's perfect. It should be practice makes permanent. Same thing. (laughs) Right. I love that. Practice makes more fun. Practice makes mastery. So yeah, so forget self-improvement. The whole idea to me is that we get to have the fullest, most alive lives that we can have. There's no perfect. There's no arriving. There's no done. That is such a deadness to it, right? So what, what do you know returns you more to a sense of self? I also love to use the phrase staying on our own side. 
because we're so often at war with ourselves. We're so often judging ourselves. You lovely people listening would never speak to me the way that you speak to yourself. So that's a really wonderful place to start. If you need an outside idea, I know you all have lots of wisdom inside is what would it be like to speak to yourself as kindly as you do your dog? Right. (laughs) Right. When my old dog, who's now passed away in the last months of her life, there was a lot of accidents and it was gross. And I never yelled at her. I never even thought a mean thought about it Mm -hmm. when I would come downstairs to in the morning. That's a great point. (laughs) Could we be as kind to ourselves? So it's a wonderful place to start is just kind self-talk. And there's some wonderful science behind using your name and the second person. So I would say to myself, Jen, you're doing the best you can. You're amazing. You're doing the best you can. You don't have to lay it on so thick that you don't. (laughs) (laughs) But that helps us get out of what we might call the older parts of our brain and into more of the executive function. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think those are great points. And like you said, people know what makes them feel good and better, right? So if you know it, why not, if you're in one of those funks, do it? Five minutes, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, I love riding my Peloton. It's just an outlet. If I have a bad day, I end up doing more time, more miles than I normally would. And I end up getting off feeling better in most cases. So I guess what you don't want to do is get in the funk where you have a bad day and you go home and you just go sit on the couch and watch TV. And that's not something that gives you the joy or that release that you would get. You want to really force yourself to go do that event or whatever activity that gives you that joy. He said, I'm going to say no forcing because forcing doesn't work for very long. It'll work for a minute or two. So what I say instead is give yourself a bridge to something that you love. So if that is the Peloton, you don't have to, I'm going to go, I know I can get on the Peloton. Yeah. You don't want to be like that. Yeah, Like I can like go sit on the Peloton. That's the bridge, right? I can, oh, I'm just going to like do one of those 10 minutes classes. Right. Now there's 10 minute little videos they have. Okay, cool. Okay, that was enough. And so one of the things that really keeps us stuck is we keep raising the bar on ourselves. So exercise doesn't count. And I do this to myself all the time. I'm hurt right now and I can't run. I'm a runner. And so all other exercise skills like, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm like, look, it's better to go for a walk than to do nothing. So lower the bar when you're really exhausted, when you don't have the energy, when you're feeling really far away from yourself and what brings you alive, lower the bar to something so small, sitting on the Peloton. (laughs) Small wins, small wins. You know, you get a couple small wins under your belt and you feel a little bit better and you go for a little bigger win, right? Exactly. But don't judge the small wins. Because this is what we do internally, right? In our self-talk. Oh, well, right. So I sat on the Peloton. Okay, put it 10 minutes. That's not enough. That's what's going to drag you back down again. Right. Just call it a win, period. Call it a win and really say to yourself, I celebrate it. Even if you don't feel like celebrating it, say, I celebrate. I did what I said I would do. I did what I said I would do. Start retraining your brain to look for what you did do and not what you didn't do. Excellent. Focus on the positive side of things. How important, you know, we've talked a little bit at times about mindfulness and mindset. How important is mindset when it comes to focusing in on personal growth? I used to hate that word so much because I thought it was really airy-fairy. And then I read Carol Dweck's work around the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. It changed my life. So I think the growth mindset is everything. (laughs) <laughs> I really do. And so I, th- I know there's a lot of different ways to approach mindset, but there's so much science about it now. So I really like to approach it from that perspective. And so for me, it's noticing when am I telling myself I can't do it? 
It's not possible. If I could do it, I would have done it already. It would be easy. If I was meant to do that, it would be easy. That's what I keep busting. And I think that is essential. Like it is daily work for me. So you're almost saying that mindset is almost everything. It's really the fundamentals of personal growth. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, anything that's that black and white makes me nervous. I think if there's one fundamental of personal growth, it's small steps that we take and we celebrate. Action confuses fear. Can you grow yourself without having a good mindset? I don't know. Well, well, I don't all right. Know. Something to think about then. You might have to think about that. That was a great question, though. I want to see what is the, re- is there any research on it? I don't know. Maybe it's a chicken and egg scenario, which yeah. uh, might be one or the other. But you know, listen, I'm a uh, big fan of the abundance mindset. I think if more people had that abundance mindset, the world would be a much better place. Unfortunately, there are a lot of folks that have this scarcity mindset, which is makes it much more difficult to be successful or be creative or do a lot of things that we want to do. It's really a limiting belief that can really wreak havoc. So listen, Jen, our time is coming short here, but we end every show by asking each guest the same question. What did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? And I know it wasn't running today. No, it wasn't running. I think the thing that I did was relax with the chaos. We ha- as I said a moment ago, we have a puppy. So the day is going, all the days are very different than they usually would be. My husband and I both work at home. We usually have this very nice little pattern of our what we do. And it has been thrown out the window for right now. And I had been really struggling with it and kind of fighting it. And this morning, I relaxed with it. And I relaxed with just the flow of it. And I feel so much less stressed. There you go. Sounds like, listen, I haven't found an answer that I haven't liked. And I've learned a lot of things from asking that question. So thank you for sharing what brought you joy today. I appreciate it. So if people want to learn more about you and what you do, what's the easiest way for them to look you up and find you? All the information we will have in the show notes, but how can they find you? Jennifer Loudon, L-O-U-D-E-N.com. And right there on the homepage, you can get the first chapter of my Why Bother book for free. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and make it a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a great conversation. I want to thank Jennifer Loudon for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset Show. Jennifer serves as a true role model to women everywhere, helping them create the life and work they love. She truly meets people wherever it is best for them, whether they like to read, attend a retreat, or even work with her one-on-one, she's always available to help. Jennifer can be found across all social media platforms, and all the contact information needed to find her can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. 
The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.